obsession is going to beat talent every time. Me and fucking Adam Sandler. That's fucking right. I skipped 113. I am a fucking legend. I ain't never seen a 112 and I never fucking will. My insane pace. This is fucking it. What a rush. What a rush. You see how fast my pace is? Right in the fucking head. Look at this fucking line I take. I wait. I wait. I wait. Two quick ones. I already know I'm getting there on the perfect line. This is episode 63. (laughs) I'm Alex Sprague. I'm just Geyer. What is that from? That's Streets 112. uh, One of the greatest pop-offs in speedrun history. Oh, oh. And, you know, the original part, the obsession is going to beat talent every time, is a quote from this movie, Hustle. Uh, And I really think there's, there's something to be said about, is that a true quote? Or is it just people trying to... To hype someone up saying, you know, oh, yeah, you have to really care. But, you know, he's saying that to a basketball player who's six foot nine. And no matter how much I obsess, I'm not going to be that tall. I was going to say that this movie isn't really about how obsession beats talent every time. It is about how your connections and your class beat people every time. Mostly your connections. But we can get into that. Uh, I mean, Mr. Mr. Sandy Man was obsessed. And I think that's an interesting take. Yeah, we're going to talk about obsession. That's one of the themes, uh, for sure, that I didn't write down, but I I will now in the notes. Alex, what is this this podcast? What are we doing here? (laughs) Why are we here again? What we're doing is we we come and watch every Adam Sandler movie, uh, one per day, one in a row. But now that we don't have a backlog, we have to go out and see it on opening day. And today, we saw it three days before it's released on Netflix, because we live in a real city now. And we went to one of the like 10 theaters that's playing it. Literally three, like us and two other people were in there. And one was a movie reviewer. One was another movie reviewer. We got up, the lights were on. She had a notebook in her lap. I'm like, oh, it's like us, except more professional and probably gets paid for it. (laughs) True. Yeah, we have have our five loyal listeners. What's up, Matt? (laughs) See you in three days. (laughs) But the big thing about this movie is asking whether or not basically adam sandler and his oeuvre gets a fair shake oh god whether whether he deserved the oscar for uncut gems which is a yes because i just looked it up and rami Malek got it for putting in horse teeth and uh you know i think he's a funny guy but uh obviously if you're i guess if you're new to this uh spoilers we're gonna say everything that happens in this movie yeah this is actually one that you might want to see. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, I don't think we need to bury the lead. It, it's a good movie. Yeah. I don't think it's as good as Uncut Gems, but I'm like, I also don't like basketball. But I guess Uncut Gems is kind of about basketball. I love gambling, though, so. That's true. This this game didn't have, like, it was ostensibly movie. just about basketball. Did I say game? Yeah, you said game. I wrote down game in the summary, like, five times as I was... I mean, yeah. it's it's about the game. It's about the game. This this, about the game. this movie is about basketball more than any other Adam Sandler film has been about basketball or sports in at all. I feel like it's it's more about basketball than the Longest Yard was about football. It's yeah. more about it's more about basketball than Happy Happy Gilmore was about golf. It's uh, and about. I think most of the reason is because he uses just real players now. He has enough. He can go to Shaq. I mean, fuck, actually, Shaq's in a ton of his yeah, movies. He, he's, That's the uh, worst. he's in this movie. Um, but Shaq was in Hubie Halloween, so that doesn't mean shit. He was also, um, he was in Grown Ups, Grown Ups, yeah. too. Okay, um, who is, uh, he can go to Dirk, don't know his last name. Dirk famous, Donuts. 
famous basketball player and go, hey, can you like FaceTime in for this movie? And he's like, yeah, of course. Um, obviously, he didn't actually FaceTime in for the movie. They filmed it somewhere else and then transposed it on the phone. I'm not dumb. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, but anyway, you're saying you're saying that he can do this, but this is not really his movie in a lot of ways what's the Mm -hmm. sand layer rating on this one alex well it is two star because it's produced by happy madison productions Mm. and also stars adam sandler but it's not written by him so or his team but i feel like it has a lot of adam sandler spirit for sure just knowing what i he wrote he wrote like 90 percent of his own jokes i can tell you that oh yeah there's no chance he didn't oh yeah and he just loves basketball we know that he Mm-hmm. loves basketball it is the sport that appears the most often throughout all of his work uh he has worked with other basketball players before he really is into the sport yeah uh and and i think that that's awesome alex do you know that like i don't i don't know why exactly but adam sandler has kind of become like a meme among among the youth i don't know why but i oh, do yeah. know at your school there was a spirit week for adam <laughs> Adam yeah. Sandler was one of the days of spirit. Week. Dress up like Adam Sandler, uh, which I thought that's great. I love that. Love that for them. Well, okay. We, we also do two more things before we actually yes. get into the synopsis. How many times can I guess how many times you laughed? Yeah, you, you guess how many times I laughed. I feel like you laughed not very much. I was sitting right next to you in the theater. You so laughed six times. I will. Uh, six. Wow. I'm so good. No, uh, your oh, guess I thought, is six. I, I, thought you, I thought you were saying that, yes, I laughed six times. Yeah, I'm guessing oh, six, oh, but maybe man. it's because I was laughing too hard. So I didn't laugh like super hard at anything, but I had an XL many times. Uh, I laughed 40 times at this movie. You're, you're counting your XLs? Well, like when I went, <laughs> oh, that's, okay. that's a laugh. Yeah, that's fair. I, that's fair. I, I mean, as people of the show know, I laugh a lot at stuff it is not hard to make me laugh but man six did we ever say how many times you laughed at the previous movie which is also about sports but worse much worse uh it was like four or five it it was only uh actually adam (laughs) sandler's nephew is the only one who made me laugh in that movie oh yeah he was great the concierge what was that movie called god it's it was called like uh american fascist football yeah, that, something like that. that was, I don't remember what that it, one was it, called. It was so forgettable. I, I do want to get into it later about how that movie is the same movie as it this. It is. It is. But it's literally here. Here's what this movie's like without Adam Sandler's help, and it was fucking horrible. And this movie was, I thought, really good. Are you yeah. ready to guess the tomato meter on it now? Wait, how many times? We already discussed this. How many times you cried? We haven't. Oh, I, I we did discuss it in person. I, I, I teared up. Had like you know the glisten two half times, so that's a point nine nine. There's no not one. Mm-hmm. I will say for uh, people who want to see my crying like meter, I did recently rewatch every Spider-Man movie, and the newest one did make me cry seven times on my second time watching it. I've uh, the walls of my emotional being have become porous. <laughs> You're getting soft in your old age. Yeah. But okay, anyway, tomato, 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 tomato meter. Uh, and, and for this one, I want to give you a, a clue, which is there is only 36 reviews professionally and fewer than 50 for verified audience because it's not out yet. Yeah, not technically out yet. Mm-hmm. I want to say that for critic reviews, it's like an 87. 
And then for audience reviews, I think it's like a 92. You, this is the closest I think you've ever been. Awesome. 92 for critics, oh. 89 for audience. Oh, I had it flipped it and reversed it. Now, uh, I do want to point out one negative comment uh, from, unfortunately, the Chicago Tribune looks like our, our yeah, city. I don't like that paper. Sometimes. Good, because maybe one of the stupidest reviews I've ever read. Mm. <clears throat> there aren't really any characters. It's kind of remarkable. It's a film that doesn't even rely on archetypes. It simply populates the screen with people, some of whom occasionally say things. Nina Metz, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. What do you mean it doesn't rely on archetypes? This is it's, one of those movies that... It, it is an archetype film. It's, it's literally like a father-son film. Yeah, with... which, which you can complain about. Like when it comes to... Because I'm sure that I'll mention some of the feminist aspects in it or lack thereof in the movie... Like you can complain that oh, all these films are about dads and kids, but this is a movie about fathers and sons, ostensibly. That is the archetype. That's the patriarchal archetype that exists. <laughs> I'm uh, not going to read more of that review because it's behind a paywall. Um, but it it doesn't make sense to me. It's yeah. I I, I would consider this a pretty easy archetype film. Young angry athlete from yeah. a underprivileged place, rich white guy owns things and tells you what to do. There's the evil son and then the nice daughter. Like it's there's so many archetypes in this one. Some of the other negative ones. This film serves as an unconvincing propaganda for two separate brands. I get NBA, which I don't think it's good propaganda for the NBA because it shows how the owner class is bad. What's the other brand? KFC. Yeah, I mean they even say KFC is gonna kill you. Uh, and this is a glossy piece of Netflix content, but it relies Netflix. very heavily on. I mean, it's not Probably Netflix. Continue. I, I mean, we didn't even see it on Netflix. So. We did. Oh yeah, we didn't see it on Netflix. Yeah, we went to a theater, so. Uh, but it relies very heavily on NBA fan buy-in for the drama fully to work. There's a continuous series of recognition jolts provided by the stars and legends playing themselves. Do you agree with that, as someone who didn't recognize anyone? Uh, no. I couldn't have told you who was a real basketball player and who was. Yeah. I would say in general, those reviews kind of don't hold up. I know a little bit about basketball only because I sometimes gamble on basketball. I don't know who these people are, except for one person who uh, ready to argue Bobin Marjanovic is in this movie and just refuses to believe that she knows him from anywhere other than John Wick three. I have uh, seen John Wick three. She has because she knows who Bobin is, but and she remembers that scene somehow and she tells me it sometimes. And then she says she hasn't seen John Wick 3. I don't think so. That's all uh, I want to bring up and then we're done. <laughs> uh, do we want to pop on over to the synopsis so we can talk in more detail about these things? Yeah, I would say the one other thing um, for uh, having to know people, I actually <laughs> like multiple times didn't realize someone was a real NBA player, including the co star of the film who is, damn, what's what's Bo Cruz's actor's name again? Juancho. Juancho Hernan Gomez. Uh, apparently plays for the Jazz. I thought he was just an actor who was really tall and ripped. Yeah. And I was like, damn, he's very good at basketball for uh, an actor. But he, I think he did a great job. It is kind of like I said, it's really hard to believe someone that tall and that buff is not an athlete. But hey. But then I thought... Anthony Edwards, who plays a character named Kermit. Um, this is for apparently all the NBA fans out there. I thought he was supposed 
to be named Kermit because he kind of looks like Patrick Mahomes with his haircut. And Patrick Mahomes sounds like Kermit the Frog. I didn't realize he was a real NBA player. <laughs> but, yep. That's so funny. I still think that's the reason. Okay, we, we good now? Do you want to like, Yeah, let's start? synopsize and then we'll, yeah. I was realizing that I have like a bunch of X's where I could not remember this one person's name. So I will get there when I get there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the movie starts, we see Stanley, our our star character played by Adam Sandler, Stanley deuces the Sugarman, who is a scout for the 76ers, which is the Philadelphia basketball team. And he's going through like these tunnel-like halls. It's pretty dark. It's kind of hard to see, which was really annoying when we were trying to take notes in a movie theater for the first time. Um, And it's a Russian gym and he's going there to see some basketball players. And there we see the air quotes, 22 year old Serbian basketball player played by the guy that Alex says that I know Bobin, uh, <laughs> Bobin who has another, who, who um, he says that he's 22. He does not look 22. That's the joke. And then I they bring, I just yeah. looked up how old he is. He's only 33. I thought that dude was like 45. Yeah. But they say earlier that basketball years are like dog years. So true. Yeah. Anyway, like they, he even has a son who he says is 10 years old, which is hilarious because the kid's obviously like 16, if, if not older. Uh, but it's, it's because the draft closes at 22. Is that what they said? Like, passing yeah, I, at 22? I, I didn't know this, but yeah, apparently uh, you can't go for the NBA draft after 22. That's very interesting to me. Well, which is weird. I've always wondered why so many high schoolers go straight from high school to NBA, but I guess that's why. Yeah. How are you going to even graduate? high school before, or college before that that's hard that's tough stuff i think most don't yeah makes sense i guess uh anyway so he crosses the guy's name off his list because this is obviously not going to be a good player for her for him and his team and this starts off the first montage of the movie where we see sugarman staying in various hotels around the world eating a lot of fast food FaceTiming with his wife, Queen Latifah. I was so happy to see Queen Latifah playing his wife. I love Queen Latifah. Yeah. And I I can't believe that they haven't like co-starred in a movie before. Yeah. It it also it's a a streak of Adam Sandler never uh is married to a weirdly young girl in movies. They're always yeah. like approximately the same age. Yeah. Except for the one movie where they made fun of that specifically. Yes. Yeah. Except for, yeah, when it was a play on that trope. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he obviously he's living a life abroad uh, around doing his scouting stuff. He's not at home. Uh, We know that he we learned that he has a daughter. He has a wife and he is not home very often. And he keeps as we're going through this montage, he keeps crossing these names off of his list, including a promising German player named Haas. So Hmm. he comes back into play later. The movie does a really good job of bringing it these details that you think might not be that important and making them a little bit more important later, mm-hmm. which made this synopsis very hard to write. I also, I, I think what it did well is showed how small actually the world is of like the NBA. Yeah, I think they mentioned there's 450 NBA players. There's a hundred who are waiting to get in the league and it's this guy's job to know every other person. And and while, that's kind of like the plot of the movie. Yeah. And while uh, the, the, the famous stat that like 70% of people over seven foot are in the NBA right now isn't true, uh, it is like 45%. If you count people, it's like 45 to 50% of everyone who's over seven foot 
has been or is in the NBA. Wow. Really goes to show you it's all about talent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. But hey, don't, don't worry. This hey. guy's 6'9". That's nothing. He's only 6'9"? Yeah, the main character is 6'9". He looks so tall. Oh, anyway. I, he is. 6'9"'s fucking huge. I know that's tall, but I would have... Uh, anyway, Stanley pulls up to the... I don't know what this place is called. He pulls up to the 76ers Stadium. I couldn't tell you the name of the stadium. By like MetLife Stadium or some shit like that. Yeah, probably. He pulls up in his crappy Malibu. The Wells Fargo Center. Wells Fargo Center. They didn't basically say that. got it right. Yeah, whatever. He pulls up in his Malibu and he's like parked pretty far away from all these other very nice sportsy cars. Not not like a super populated parking lot at the time because there's not a game going on. There are just meetings. Uh, he goes in and he sits down with the rest of like the team, like the coaching team and the owner. And he discusses how he doesn't think that they should draft that German player, that German player Haas. Um, he's discussing this with the owner of the 76ers, whose name is Rex and Rex's son, Vincent. And we also briefly talked to Rex's daughter. She, I didn't catch- Heidi Gardner. The, Heidi Gardner, thank you. And I don't, I didn't catch what her name was. I, yeah, they didn't do a good job of saying it out loud. Like Stephanie. Yeah, she was, she was the daughter. Um, yeah, the daughter. Uh, but anyway, she, I, I love, she didn't get a chance to do anything funny. She was just in the movie. Yeah, she was doing a serious role, yeah. but- she did. She did it well. Yeah, he he obviously has a good report with her, rapport with her, like in character back into the synopsis. Um, but he does not have a good rapport with the son, Vincent, who's called Vin throughout the movie. And Vin thinks that they should draft Haas. Stanley eventually concedes. And as he's going back out to get into his car, Rex pulls up in like. Like the car that a cartoon character like fucking uh rich person <laughs> scrooge mcduck car uh pulls up it's rolls royce like looks like it was made in this in the 50s i, I would go doug dimadone's car yeah it is but it's it's the 76ers colors is, is exactly yeah, what it is <laughs> sure and he he pulls up and he gets Stanley into the back of the car and talks about how he's not going to draft Haas. He he trusts Stanley's word and he wishes that Stanley hadn't given up so easily. And he takes him around at the back and he shows him his new tiny office because he is making Stanley an assistant coach now, which is his dream. He's wanted to be a coach. He does not want to be a scout because being a scout means he has to be away from his family for so long. Um, so it's even they even make fun of how tiny this place is. It does look like a hidey hole closet type thing. And it's kind of sad how grateful Stanley is for this tiny office with no windows. You know, anyway, yeah. uh, he comes it, back home. I, I think the, the thing for me was it, it showed how good or how much it meant to him that this tiny office yeah, it, it, it didn't seem like an insult at all. It's that he was given an office in the yes. stadium. He's no longer traveling. It right. matters a lot to him. It does. And with, by not showing a big, nice office, I think it did that a lot better. Yeah. Uh, we I forgot to mention this, that in the montage, the first montage of him going around, we do see that he has a pretty gnarly scar on his hand, which kind of gives you the hint that maybe he had basketball prospects and then lost them somehow. I mean, it gives us a... A, a story there that we will learn about later. Um, I figured I should mention that sooner rather than mm -hmm. later. When he comes back home, we get to meet his wife and daughter in person. 
his daughter is a film buff. She asks him to go. I wish that this was happening around me. Goes to see Evil Dead at a cemetery. Yeah. Or at least it's called the cemetery. It's like an outdoor. It was theater. a cemetery. Amazing. I love it. That was. I love that so much, and I love that it was Evil Dead. And as they are driving. Uh, there he gets on his phone and shows her a viral video of dr j dunking at 63 or however old he is um and it's like this thing he's like oh this guy he's he's like super important and here's all of his stuff he's he really cool and that like they just kind of have that moment it's clear that she does not know um anything about basketball, basketball. he also is uh she she nags him to keep his eyes on the road because he's driving during this which, which made me think that there was going to be a car accident in this movie. Yeah. I'm always so nervous when people are in cars too much. He's in a car a lot in this movie too. Yeah. Like we should talk about that later. I, I just want to point out, I had to tweet that uh, Wikipedia and IMDB don't even have Heidi Gardner listed for this movie. So yeah. I, I just tweeted that they did her dirty. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she wasn't like the most important character, but she was like, she's there. She's pretty important. She had speaking lines. Yeah. Anyway, as he's driving back from dropping off his daughter, he learns over the radio that Rex has died, which is kind of a shitty way to learn that your friend has died, even though he was old and stuff. Uh, There's a speech on the radio from the radio DJ saying how Rex was like he built up his fortune from nothing and that he's still in contact with the people of Philadelphia and that he was he was a great one. Yeah, I don't know if he's based on anyone. Yeah, I don't know either. Hard to say. It's kind of unrealistic. It, it is very, it kind of is actually. <laughs> um, but it's, it strikes me as, I'll talk about it later, but it, interesting how they had this character compared to the Kevin James movie that just recently came out. Yeah, true. Uh, three months later, we see Stanley, oh, sorry, Rex's funeral. He learns that Vincent is going to take over, like kind of the role from his father. And that the daughter is going to step back a little. And obviously this is going to cause problems because Vincent does not agree with Stanley as much as Rex did with Stanley. I'm also skipping over a lot of the basketball player parts because I didn't know who these people were. Um, but throughout this whole movie, like we see that Stanley has a good rapport with like basketball veterans and and current players throughout the entire thing. Yeah, and it's, it's not actually hard to... Uh pick out who the players are as he's talking to them because they're all six foot six well yeah so i mean i knew that they were basketball players obviously but no i'm just saying like i know someone the other person said like you have to know who these people are and i'm like i didn't know who all these people were no if if they're not going to show me michael jordan or Shaq, i i know i I know what lebron looks like but he produced the movie so he didn't want to uh didn't want to be in he already knows he can't act so they just stopped putting him in movies (laughs) Three months later, there's also a scene in here where he talks to an like an agent, right? Yes. Uh, so this agent's name is Leon. I don't know if he's based on a real person, but he used to play basketball. And he specifically, we learn, played basketball with Sugarman in college. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters within the story, but for my short, my synopsis, I'm trying to keep pretty short. And yeah, it matters because they know each other for a long time. And, yeah, and, and it does come back into the story slightly later. Yep. And he he does have a role, but really it could have been like could've he could have been he could have been anybody. Yeah. Uh three months later we see that Stanley's coaching a little bit, specifically like coaching with Haas on the team now that Vin has drafted him because he wanted him to play and he's in charge of that kind of stuff now. Not drafted, but you know, signed whatever the basketball. No, he is. drafted him. Okay, drafted. 
Vin calls Stanley to his office to say that they like, ah, uh, crap. I, I messed up. This is obviously wasn't a good pick. I need someone to like really make this team work. So we can win a championship. So Stanley, you're going to go scouting again, which sucks. Cause Stanley wanted, he wants to coach. And he doesn't want to be away from, for, from his family, especially for his daughter's birthday, he says, but Vin says, okay, just go get one person. Go get the guy. I trust you. When you come back, you're still coached. That coaching position is still there for you. Yeah. You just have to find the perfect player that will turn this team from okay to winning the championship. Yeah. Uh, a basically impossible task. Yes. And also, I do want to point out, because you phrased it a little weird. He mentions that he hasn't been to his daughter's last nine birthdays. He's not like, my daughter said I can't miss my birthday, like in Liar Liar. Uh, right. Or anything. Right. It is not like a... Me- dramatic moment of him saying that it's just him being like you know this these are the facts i'm very serious about it yeah it, it sounds in my opinion like someone would say at, at an actual job like if it's like the past nine birthdays for someone and she is 18 in the movie that's 50 yeah. percent of her birthdays i'd be upset mm-hmm. you know anyway i mean not upset at my dad but it would suck <laughs> yeah um, so this is how Stanley ends up in Spain, where he, um, after he learns that the player he's going there to scout isn't actually playing because he's yeah. injured. Yeah, still on the IR. He goes and he sees basketball hustler Bo Cruz. Who I, I want to point in, he, he doesn't go to find a hustler. He just, because he he's upset, he's yeah. going to go shoot a ball for a while because he's upset that uh, people were wasting his time. Yeah, so he goes to a public park. It's in the evening. He goes, he has a basketball. He's going there and he sees that there's a big commotion. People are really excited to see this, this guy hustling, essentially. Uh, and he's, Bo is absolutely cleaning it up on the court. And this impresses Stanley so much. Like his, his athleticism and the fact that he's doing this all wearing construction boots Timberlands. instead of whatever. He's doing it all in he's doing it all in construction boots. He's doing it all in work boots. I wrote down balling in Tim's, which I found funny. <laughs> balling in Tim's. I mean, it's oh. worse. It's worse than Tim's. They're like old ratty construction boots. Yeah. Also, I just want to point out uh, they're playing Boney M. That was really good. Were they? Yeah, it was very light in the background with someone blasted Boney M. Did not hear that. He's so impressed anyway by Bo that he follows him all the way home so he can try to recruit him to the team. Uh, he Eventually convinces Stanley, uh, convinces Bo that, yes, I am a real scout. I want you on the NBA. We get to meet uh, Bo's mom and Bo's daughter, Lucia. And we learned that Lucia is the reason that he never played basketball professionally because he did not want to be away from her. He didn't want to leave her. But when he calls Vin to try to convince him to uh, sign him and to draft him, Vin says no, because he doesn't want to take that chance. So obviously Stanley's not being trusted in the same kind of way that uh, he had been before. Stanley takes him back to Philly anyway, where we learn at customs that Bo has an aggravated assault charge, which could potentially get in the way of him being able to stay in the United States if he gets in trouble with the law ever again. And so Stanley wants to keep this kind of under wraps because this could maybe tank his career before it even starts. So the idea is to get Bo into the showcase, right? Yeah. Where he can show Vin, where he can show the 76ers that, you know, he's worth his stuff, that he can be athletic, 
Um, he gets some practice in. We see that Bo is pretty good, but he's like not very refined. He hasn't played with a team in years. Right. Is, That's why Vin doesn't want him. That's yeah, why he... Vin doesn't want him at all. But when the number two draft pick, like he's going to be the number two draft pick, his name is Kermit uh, that Alex alluded to. Kermit starts trash talking him at the showcase and it throws Bo off his game and he just does not shine the same way that he did when Stanley saw him in the first place. Outside of the showcase, Vin passes for good, saying like, no, you got to get back out there, Stanley, go find me that person. You're just going to have to miss your daughter's birthday. The 76ers will send her something nice. Ooh, that line delivery. Oh, yeah. Oh, so evil. So good. Yeah. So the, the the shitty owner is played by Ben Foster, who I've only ever seen in uh, Hell and High Water. And he is so good at playing a, just a dick bag. He is. Yes. I, I hated him in this movie. Me too. Is how you know he's doing a good job. <laughs> but I was like, this fucking dick, dude. I'd kick his ass. Yeah. I mean, and it pisses Stanley off, too. He quits. He shouts at him and quits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Stanley doesn't tell Bo that he is quit. He doesn't tell him what happens. Uh, instead, he starts training him even harder to try to get him into the NBA combine, which is a televised thing. So the whole world, the whole world can see how good you are. Yeah. I have no idea how this works in real life, but it, they did impress upon me the importance of being seen, be mm-hmm. like your talent being seen. So you can be, you know, you can be a star. Yeah. I mean, everyone in the combine is going to be a huge tall person who's pretty athletic. So there's like, there's that stuff and people will go crazy over how fast someone ran a 40. I'm, I know more about football than basketball, but like, there's always news who do a story. That's like, man, this guy was dominating. Like we've never seen like this guy from some Mormon college without a basketball team showed up and he was amazing. You know, yeah, they always have, have a like- storyline like that. They care about narratives in sports. It was very like 4-H fair style. Like they have them measure their wingspans, weigh them. They have them run and do like these drills and then they play a game the next day. It was very interesting to see. Uh, I had no idea what was going on, but I understood, you know, even though I didn't know how the sport works, I understood what was going on. Yeah. I've I've never seen the like dribbling while tapping lights to show your speed off thing, but well, that's felt not, they weren't doing cool. that. They weren't doing that at the combine. That was part of his training. Well, one of the combine things was like, you know, sir, doing a circle. Well, I don't know. There, there was some weird stuff that yeah. I've not seen, but it, I didn't take what, away Whatever that. it was. Yeah. yeah. Vin. Oh, Vin, not Vin. Um, Stanley tries. He, he like really starts kicking the training into gear because, because Bo didn't do super well in the showcase The we want him in the, in the combine, but he has to actually be put on the list. That's, that's the thing. We were starting to talk about the combine before it even happened. Oh, his daughter films a training reel uh, with it. And we learned that the big sleeve tattoo the bow has is for his mom and daughter. And she asks about his blank arm. And he says, that's for his father who is never around, who has never been around. Very symbolic. Things are going really well in the training. You know, Bo's kicking ass. He's able to run up a hill real fast, all of that. He's doing real good. Uh, But it comes out on TV because Vin gives an interview um, that Bo has an assault charge and that they have fired Stanley. And this is, this just ruins his chance of getting in the combine at all. Uh, The favors that Stanley has been able to pull 
are not going to work. Yeah, he he specifically says that we had to let him go, which makes it seem like he was firing and not like he got hit quick because he was being a dick, which is something you constantly see on the news uh, for sports stuff, which is interesting considering some of the things I know about other athletes. Yeah. <laughs> well, as long as you're liked by rich people, um, which True. they mentioned a little later. Yeah, the, this is where the, the hashtag Boa Challenge happens, right? Right. So, yeah, this is when the viral video stuff happens. Like you said, uh, the daughter, inspired by the video that her dad showed her earlier in the movie, says, hey, let's let's do a, a viral challenge. They call up Dr. J uh, and they do the Boa Boa challenge, right? It's a it's a hustle challenge. Whoever can score off of him or go one to one, they win certain amounts of money. So they missed or beast it like you said earlier uh, at the theater, yeah. uh, which is, you know, the, the power of uh, millennial or millennials, the power of Gen Zers and, and social yeah. media. because so it was definitely uh, the young people really getting into this. Uh, personally, <laughs> I would also think it's really cool. I'd say there's definitely though people who make it to the draft only because they have some social media thing kick off. Right. They're like the most famous one, uh, Young Hoku, the kicker that me and my friends all tried to draft in fantasy football. Uh, he did like a backflip kick for a field goal. And then we're all like, well, obviously he's the greatest that's ever been. Yeah. I mean, and it works too, because this uh, gets him a lot of publicity. We see a bunch of people talking about it and they all say, oh, he should be in the combine and they get him on the list for the combine, but he's not very excited about it, Bo. Uh, and Queen Latifah suggests that this is because he misses his daughter. So they fly the mom and daughter in to surprise him, and this lifts his spirits considerably. However, it backfires because Kermit is also at the combine. He's at these different things, even though he's yeah. a shoe in for the draft, because he wants to be number one. So you you missed out on a spot where uh, earlier he 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 his mental game got messed up by Kermit. Yeah, I talked about that. Oh, did you? Yeah. No, no. All right, well, I missed. I thought I did. <laughs> and he did that. I said he did it at the showcase. That's what threw him off his game. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. And this time it happens again because he he says he figures out that Lucia is his daughter and says, "Oh, I'd be a good stepdad to her." And Bo nearly assaults him, but doesn't. I really thought he punched him in the face. I was like, "Ah, yeah. crap! How are they getting out of this one?" No, he just like slams his hand on the court. Yeah, slaps the ground. Yeah. And obviously, this is not a good look. This whole thing was televised, and they don't like he's lost his cool in front of all these people. And this is, you know, this is done it this is tanked it at back at the hotel his mom like gives him a talk about how it's it's okay if he's going to turn his back on basketball or like forget basketball but he shouldn't forget what stanley has done for him that stanley for Bo has been like his oak tree which was the metaphor that she used for uh how stanley was to their family and uh you know it's a very touching moment uh i thought it was i thought it was a, a good well-earned emotional moment which is rare i feel like in films yeah so Bo's gonna go back to spain and but at last minute stanley gets a call from his friend there's gonna be this non-televised game happening this little showcase uh, with just the prospects and just people from the teams and he uh pulls Bo like from the airport they rush over to the bronx where it's being held and uh, he plays. And because there's not a lot of that pressure, 
or anything like that. Bo does really well and he's not phased by Kermit yeah. talking at him anymore. What uh there was a little montage between then, right? Yes. Uh no, not really. There was it was no time. It was like No, no, but uh I think we missed the montage section. No. Then. Oh, we didn't. No, anyway, I talked about uh, the training. I mean, there's the training montage before the combine. Okay. Was that when uh he they had the montage and then there's a point where in it he's not doing well and yeah. the turnaround point wasn't some big moment. It was just Adam Sandler saying, uh, there's nothing I can say to him. He has to do it for himself. And yes. then he turns it around. Having not like overheard that or anything, he just finds yeah. it with himself. And I thought that was a really good way to show the difference between like, I don't know, people who care about doing something and people who are just kind of going through the motions. Yeah. It worked really well. And then and uh, this this time, the the thing that Adam Sandler says to him that allows him to ignore Kermit's thing is they can't kill you if you're already dead. Yeah. So because Bo has already lost his chance here. What are they going to make him do? Yeah. Lose, lose his chance more. No. So this works. This yeah, he does really well. We even see the other player the the 20, the quote unquote, 22 year old Serbian player is at this game. But which he's 18 a, now. Yeah, he's 18. According to the Mavs, it's, he's 18. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious, too. That definitely got a guffaw out of me. Uh, during the game, Stanley also talks to Rex's daughter. She says that she's taking a more active role in the team because mm-hmm. Vin has made a mess of things. We don't say they don't say exactly how he made a mess of things, really. But we can assume that he's made more recruiting mistakes because Stanley was not on his side. Five months later. Time card five months later, we see that Stanley is back to assisting coaching to assistant coaching for the 76ers. Uh, the scene goes very similarly to that first scene where they're walking through the tunnels, except this time he's in a suit and he is not going to recruit players. He is going to coach them actually, you know, on the court, which is awesome. It's very emotional. It's very cool. The music cues here are really, really good too. I thought. Yep. And we see Bo there, but Bo is not wearing a 76 jersey. He's wearing a Celtics jersey. And he has a tattoo on his blank arm. There's a tattoo of an oak tree with a quote from Stanley on it, which I did not catch what the quote was, but I did recognize it was a quote. It was like, don't back down or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. And Stanley gives one of his players a tip for playing against Bo. And which, he- is, which is really good. I thought the fact that like, he cares enough about the game that he's like, hey, I know how Bo plays. This is how you're going to beat yeah. him. And like, because you, you do that still. You're not going to be like, oh, and that's who I care about. You're there to win. Right, right. Even though they're obviously still very friendly. Yeah. All of that. Uh, he Stanley looks very proud about, the, about him playing on this team, right? Mm-hmm. And the movie ends with basketball, much in the same way that a Bollywood film ends with dancing. This, yeah. this movie ends with a lot of basketball uh, from the game that the, the fake game that they're currently playing, as well as clips from some of the basketball stars who are actually in the movie yeah. too, which I thought it was really fun to watch. Uh, it was nice to see all of that. And if I remember correctly, they did not credit Heidi Gardner in that either. Did they? I, I, I don't know. I don't know either, but literally her character does not interact with anyone except for Adam Sandler. She's a ghost. I know. She, yeah, she's not even in the meeting. She has to leave oh. early. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if they put her in later. I don't know. That that wouldn't make sense. It might be, though, that she had different 
COVID protocols because she was on SNL maybe at the same time. Maybe that might be it. I don't know. Hard to say. (laughs) Very hard to say, but they should have still credited her. I mean, I don't know that they didn't. I feel like we didn't sit through all the credits or anything. I'll watch it again on Netflix and see. Yeah, we didn't say for everything. Not for the credits, I mean. Yeah, I'm not going to watch the credits on this one. There's no reason to. No. But yeah, no, I thought it was good. The only scene you didn't mention I really liked was uh, after he's going to the draft, he calls out Vin and says, uh, because a bunch of news people are crowding their car. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He says, maybe you should, you were like the one interviewing him. You're, you almost ruined his chances. Why didn't you get both sides? And like yelled at the guy. And I'm like, it's, it was good to see him basically say like the media destroyed his chances in the same way. It can gain your chances. It's your fault for not being an actual journalist. That's one of the themes of the movie. Like we've been alluding to is this idea of how publicity and what people can see means everything so you have this very talented player in spain and because he was never seen he never had the chance to be professional and that's kind of the whole deal with the scout anyway they Mm -hmm. go out to see and if you don't get scouted you don't get on the team we even see like throughout it he needs to be on a list to get into places he needs to be like there are all these different steps in order to be in order to make it. Yeah. I mean, you need an agent to make it into most sports. You can't just go in. There's actual like things that they're like, nope. It's like buying a house. You have right. to have someone. I, I don't know if legally you do, but like you do. And one of the things for that too was uh, early on when they're talking about like the way people are perceived, Haas, the German player, has all the same physical attributes as Bo, but Sugarman, Adam Sandler says, there's intangibles you guys aren't seeing. They win more games when he's on the bench. And that matters. Obviously, he's the reason they're losing. Mm-hmm. And there's there's something to be said of like Moneyball is a really good movie. I don't think you've seen it, no. but uh I don't it's not like a perfect movie and moneyballing your life doesn't make any fucking sense. But uh there is there's a way like stats matter a lot, but there's also very specifically a good way for statistics to lie to you. The The best player right. on the team is the one who makes you win, not the one who gets the most points. Um, and I think that is alluded to because Adam Sandler's character was supposed to have played, uh, I, I'm guessing point guard is what uh, this player is, uh, the one know. who passes and does assists. I don't actually know what the what the basketball parts are. I uh, My job when I played basketball was to stand on the basket and get rebounds. So, and they made you play basketball because you're tall, right? Yeah, I hated basketball. <laughs> so, I mean, that's another thing. Like, yeah, you have to be tall to play basketball. That is a requirement. Obviously, you have to be very athletic as well. You can't just be tall. You have to be tall and athletic. But uh, tell that movie, to my sports induced asthma and the inability for me to play. <laughs> the movie was about the idea of like just being able like getting Mm. the privilege getting the chance to show what you can do and i i think there are a lot of there are a lot of fields that are like that i don't know if it was i mean it was obviously very intentional on the movie's part to do that for the sports aspect of things Mm. i don't think that it was necessarily meant to be an allegory for anything other than sports but it certainly does make me think of things like hollywood it makes me think of things like publishing i mean i think um 
so there, there's a hard i may i may keep it to to sandler but it, it's i think he understands he got a chance most people don't with saturday night live and such and even though he was obsessed with comedy and that's what he wanted to do was be an entertainer uh he could have just you know just because you're the best in the room doesn't mean you're gonna be the most successful i like i know a lot of comedians have said like that mitch hepberg was one of the funniest people they ever met and they thought he was the best and he never like he couldn't get a movie produced for a while obviously he became a famous comedian still because he cared about comedy and kept doing it but you know there's there's something to say about that type of thing of is is it kind of supposed to be saying how many people are we not seeing play that could be because they're not raised in the right place and stuff like that. I, I mean, it was definitely intentional about that with even the, the daughter being a film school person. She mentions that she's not going to get yeah. into film school because there are all these other people who are better than her that are also trying to get into film school too. And then just the fact that cameras exist within this movie. Anytime you see a camera within a movie, there's something going on. You know, mm-hmm. people who make movies are very cognizant you know, they, of the, what they're yes, talking about. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, also, uh, she says she doesn't think she can get into film school. He says, I'm not worried about everyone else. I'm worried about what you are doing. <laughs> and they don't even mention the, they, they skip through it. She's in film school at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's well, working. she was like prepping for something or doing something like that, like doing like an entrance thing at the time. Well, I guess she could have been in high school because. Right now, that no, because I, I think it was the start of the season. They weren't yeah. at the finals. Yeah. So, yeah, she was in college. Yeah, she would have just been entering college yeah. at that time. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I find that was kind of a weird also, juxtaposition. I, I will say film school doesn't necessarily mean college, though. So she could have gone at any time. So we don't need to worry about that timeline. Uh, I found that a weird juxtaposition with the idea of how, like, obsession is what gets you there because like yeah you have to have the drive to keep going with to potentially like you had to put yourself out there as much as possible to potentially be seen but they made it seem like the obsession aspect was more important than that whereas the plot of the movie made it definitely seem that it's the being seen being yeah. noticed is what well, actually gets you there it it is interesting cuz i wonder being ready for your one shot seems to be very much uh, the thing they are trying to push. And that's something I, I kind of tend to believe a little bit of if you get a shot to do something interesting or like something in yeah. uh, expertise you care about a lot, you do have to be ready to take it. You know, like you can't, you can't you, miss you can't your chance to blow your opportunity yeah. comes once in a lifetime. Oh God, people from Michigan, man. But I mean, yeah, that that is basically what the idea of it. it, it it's interesting though, because I there's obviously I I know we didn't cover this much. Uh, they may, they talk about how rich people fucking suck, uh, and they're all assholes basically in this. Um, <laughs> Which might though, be our own bias, but <laughs> no, they they he specifically says it. The daughter is rich. I guess that's true. But and the the owner, the original owner, is also rich, and he's but like he started a- poor, which is what matters. And he calls Vin a uh, born on third base bitch or something like that. <laughs> born I think on third base bitch. I don't know if that's what he says, but if it, he does, it's pretty close to that. It, that's it was, so funny. You know, you know, someone who's born on third base and thinks they hit a triple is a common like saying. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But like, uh, obviously that guy's bad at his job too. Um, and he, they do, it, it is, it's honestly strange Heidi Gardner's character coming in to like save and help stuff. Uh-huh. She didn't need to be there. But I, like, I wonder if they were trying to say like that she left because basically it's harder for women in sports or something like that. But they didn't explain why she didn't want to be a part of the team anymore. Other yeah. than it seemed like her brother's just a huge fucking asshole. I think it's, I think she did mention that like her brother wanted it more yeah. or was like obsessed with it or something. Uh, yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. I didn't, the movie was pretty lackluster. If it, like, if we're talking about feminist themes, there were a lot of like female characters with speaking roles and names in the movie. <laughs> but I'm trying so hard to think if there was a time where. Uh, it doesn't have Bechdel test. I, I mean, if you count the mom and daughter making cake portion, potentially, but there's not a lot of conversations no, between the female characters. They're making cake for Adam Sandler's character. I don't think you can count it. I don't think so either. Yeah, yeah. I would say that maybe not. I mean, I'm not, I've never gotten the feeling from Adam Sandler's films that like there's a lot of intentional misogyny or anything like that, but it is still very much like most of his work is still very much a male focused. It's extremely male focused, very male. And it's the NBA though. It is a movie about the NBA. Could they have done more with the, with the female characters? Sure. But even so the female characters in this movie do take on a more active role. Um, Yeah. The female characters really just Queen Latifah's character and, and the um, daughter and the daughter whose name is Alex, I think something like that. It's an A um, name. Yeah, they take a little bit more of an active role within the movie, but they're they're definitely side characters. They are relegated to the side. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's only really two main characters. So anyone yeah. who's not Sandman and uh, Bo Cruz don't matter technically. Yeah, because um, it, it it's the same as it's. They even allude to uh, he does Bo does the Rocky punches and then yells the word Rocky at <laughs> Adam yeah. Sandler at one point because they're in Philly and they're talking, yeah. you know, this is, Oh, we're doing the Rocky thing. Yeah. I like that. They just make a nod to that. That was um, really good. Mm-hmm. After, after he was running up all the stairs and stuff, I was like, Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the general, like the class divide stuff yeah. is there. Um, I don't know if it says anything super interesting. I think it's just kind of, they could so, have done more with it. I feel like they could have done a lot more with the class divide aspect because like, they make some purposeful choices within the movie. We mm-hmm. see the Malibu. The Malibu is like this. And it's not yeah. even a nice Malibu. It's kind of a beat up Malibu. Yeah. Uh, the It, it just it's looks like a 97. <laughs> and that's the first that's the first time we actually get to see Adam Sandler compared to the other people who he works with because we see his car. And yeah, then we he, see on the other side, there's literally a divider. In yeah. the parking lot dividing his Malibu from a bunch of like supercars. Yes. Um, and he, he actually says to Bo at one point when they're going to the combine that uh, superstars don't carry their own bags and he carries them for him. Mm-hmm. And then there's stuff like that. And I, it's interesting. Cause like from everything we know, Adam Sandler's not like, obviously he takes private jets all the time because this He's company has now. private yeah. jets, but I don't, he's, he doesn't, go to private gyms to play basketball. He's constantly singing and playing out in the real world. He's kind of, I don't know, he's probably down to earthish for people that fucking rich. 
yeah. I guess who knows. I think I think but, though uh, that it was like going back to this classified stuff, not about Adam Sandler because uh, he didn't write this movie. He didn't he didn't direct it. But in the movie itself, we see Bo's character comes from a pretty rough neighborhood. He's poor. He's working to support both his mom and his daughter. We see, so there's that class divide. He even says to Sandler's character, like, you have this perfect life with a perfect family. But then we see Sandler's character. He lives in a very, a very much like normal, like what I would call a middle class like he probably gets paid pretty well, but he lives a very regular sort of life. Um, he's he's not like super wealthy. He's not like in danger of losing his home or anything. He's paying for Bo to stay at this hotel and stuff and paying for his food and things. But it is enough that he is saying like, well, you can't just keep buying these $9 Pringles all the time. I can afford this kind of stuff once in a while, but you can't keep doing this. And then you yeah. see the NBA like owners yeah. literally with their glass office overlooking the philly skyline and you see this fancy car so you see these like three different worlds that they're all living in but they and vin, don't... vin saying he'll pay for dinner for people when they're living a place right fine and they don't really do anything with that and i feel like they could have done something with that particularly with a movie about the nba yeah. where a lot of these players are people who have they it is a Cinderella story. It is a rags to story for a lot of these players. Yeah. And, and I know that like, there are a lot of kids out there, a lot of athletes who are thinking like, that is my chance because I am athletic. This is my chance to do something and to make something out of my life. There's not a yeah. lot of other opportunity. And I, I just wish that they had maybe done a little bit more with that. Yeah. I, I wonder. So originally, um, so I, I just looked at the writers real quick. Uh, one was a guy who's only written about like for NBA 2K and stuff. So obviously it's just a punch up <laughs> sports writer. Yeah. And the other guy, he wrote a star is born last, like oh, not wow. the type of movie. So I kind of wonder if they were like, we want to make this movie. You finish writing it type thing. Hmm. I, don't I don't know. A star is born is a very similar story to this. Oh, is it? I, I yeah, seen it. it's it's a it's a talent scout finds a plucky young star. Oh, okay. Thing. So maybe that's his thing. As far as uh, I understand it, at least. And then uh, the thing is, though, originally Adam Sandler said this movie was about him finding a Chinese player um, and doing that. So it was obviously rewritten. Um, it was rewritten because Netflix doesn't uh, do stuff in China, so they didn't want to film in china they'd rather film in spain or something i don't know exact reasons but that's i i wonder though if there's part of that switch because the, the actor who played Bo cruz the nba player like legitimately a good actor so maybe yeah. they couldn't find a chinese basketball player who was good at acting uh, he, he's pretty good he was pretty good i mean you could tell you could tell that i mean he was just like a little so, but it's a it's a Netflix movie about basketball, and he's a seven yeah, foot tall I actor. Mean, have you seen a movie with LeBron James in it? Yes. Because Trainwreck is an okay movie. <laughs> His parts, he's fucking bad at acting. I so mean, is Michael Jordan, and so is for for an athlete actor, very good. What LeBron? No. Oh, I was gonna say <laughs> this guy, Wancho. Yeah, yeah, Wancho, yeah. Um, he he he's like he could be the next shack of acting. The next shack of acting. You're 
You're kidding. Dude, Shaq, Shaq got comedic chops. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Shaq is a funny guy. Yeah. I, I, he was even funny in this movie. He made me laugh in this movie. Well, he shouldn't have. He didn't say anything <laughs> I funny know, in this but movie. He, he just looks funny. I love him. <laughs> don't say he looks funny. He looks like a funny guy. He's a guy that makes me laugh. I do imagine him skiing off uh, a roof with <laughs> guns every time I, I see him. I imagine him bursting out of a doghouse every time. <laughs> I like that movie. I like oh, I liked Grown Ups too, and that that says something about me as a person. Uh, no, this movie was actually good though. Like it was a good film. It was. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't think, think the, it's gonna win any awards for. I think the anything, directing but... needs some help. Um, the pacing was a little weird at the end. It was. I would have ended the movie on the draft day. Yeah, it was. That, that was a sense. weird choice to kind of just jump five months ahead and show that it would have been more maybe more exciting about the draft day itself yeah. there were like i i did i also felt like the pacing was a little off it didn't really follow like a three act structure or at least the x dragged too much yeah that th- that said i'm uh, until at least 2023 maybe 2024 i'm giving every movie i see 10 percent uh covid clearance yeah so instead of you know yeah, if the worst thing I can say about the movie is that at times it was a little boring and yeah. it's a movie about basketball, a sport that I don't know anything about. Or yeah, really l- like. right. that reminds me. Let, let's uh, let's compare this to Home Team a little. Oh, home God. Team, really based on a true story. Horrible people. That they that they lionize within the we, movie. Which somehow makes them look worse. Awful. The comedy's fucked. It's like I, I know this isn't this isn't technically a comedy, but I laughed five times more. No, it's it. definitely more of like a drama. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because, like, all I can think about is like, God damn, is Home Team a bad movie? And the fact that people, <laughs> I, I actually I saw one reviewer said something along these lines of like, like he, people have been saying that he's the most mediocre man in Hollywood, and he's starting to look like netflix's best draft pick and i'm like yeah like he's this is his fourth really good movie from netflix or is this his third of four uh well there was the cobbler cobbler was a netflix movie yeah there was the meyerwood stories there's been home team and there's this one huh oh he has eight netflix movies not well wait no that's just movies on netflix there's 14 of his movies on Netflix right now. Damn. I I don't I know that a home team might be part of his deal with Netflix, but Murder Mystery and Hubie Halloween were specifically made for Netflix. <laughs> Murder Mystery and Hubie Halloween, I forgot. Yeah, this is this is a Netflix presents yeah. movie. And I don't think the other ones were, but it's hard to say. Um, but like, yeah, I thought this was really good. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't watch it again. I mean, yeah, me either. I, I don't watch most movies twice. I've seen Uncut Gems twice. I think that's the only Adam Sandler movie I chose to see twice in the like new era. You didn't choose to see it. We rewatched it so we could do this podcast. Yeah, but I, I would, I guess. So yeah, I didn't. But uh, <laughs> let's see. The Spider-Man movies I rewatched, but that was more because I wanted to see them all again because I hadn't seen them. Uh, hot take. The Amazing Spider-Man movies are just as good as the original trilogy everyone just was older <laughs> and more online <laughs> except for uh Willem Dafoe is obviously great I no I like this movie I thought it was good 
I would recommend it to people who like Adam Sandler or to people who like basketball or to people who have a a found family. It's a it's a nice found family flick. I appreciate that. And I think that it, there are places it could have been better, but for you know, for what it was, I think it did its job. I think it made me feel a lot. It made me really interested in this character's life. And I liked Adam Sandler in it a lot. Yeah, it was definitely good, not great, but right, as a basketball movie. Last basketball movie I liked was The Basketball Diaries, and that's not really a basketball movie. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen a basketball movie except for Uncut Gems. Uh, Airbud? I have seen Airbud. Oh, I also saw Space Jam. That's not really a basketball Space movie. Space Jam's as much a basketball movie as uh, The Basketball Diaries is. Oh, okay. Let's get to know. <laughs> Wait, I'm really, you don't know what Basketball Diaries are about, nope. do you? Nope. Okay. There's a lot of basketball movies. <laughs> it's just I'm 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 five foot two on a good day. Uh, if I'm standing really tall, I am not. I am not the target audience for basketball. Basketball Diaries is about a high school Leonardo DiCaprio gang addicted to heroin. Oh, I knew that. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's why it's that. funny to to reference it as a basketball movie just because they play basketball in it. Alex, how do we end this podcast? <laughs> um there's a very specific way i know how i end this podcast but like do we do things to wrap it up is there like kind a of bit that we, I, we no we used to fucking like tell people to check stuff out uh don't subscribe to this unless you want a random notification every like eight or nine months do subscribe to it you know that you like this podcast yeah if and like if you're still listening to this well this so, might be uh, people's no, first time listening because we're the only people out there podcasting about hustle before it's out. I want hustle. everyone to send this to Adam Sandler at Sony.com. No, but do <laughs> that's not that's not his uh, email address at Sony. I know. Um, do no, what do I, send this to him? Tag him. I want everyone Facebook. to get the music from Streets One Twelve and play it over a basketball montage and then tweet it at me. Streets yes. 112's Grace. I was going to do a diatribe about uh, whether or not skill or obsession mattered more in speedrunning. Still don't know. I'm not going to do a diatribe. <laughs> I'm on uh, another speedrun kick, so. Yeah, you are. It's terrible for you. He, God, it's so good. It's it's bad for your life and health. I'm, I'm excited about the next Adam Sandler film that's coming out. I'm glad that this Space one was Man. refreshing. Yeah. This one was refreshing, especially coming off the home team. The home team sucked so yeah, bad. That movie sucks ass, dude. <laughs> it was awful. But this movie, this one's good. This one's good. The worst part about it was seeing Alan Covert's name on the screen. Yeah, uh, that's he's just really because he's Happy Madison. That's all. That guy's really took uh, took it off the deep end, huh? Unfortunately, I know. He's probably gonna move to Texas and go on Joe Rogan. <sighs> I, <laughs> that would make uh... me really sad. I'm. That is a that's a don't meet your heroes because man did I love grandma's boy. Yeah. Well, you can um, find our games. We we make games when we're not podcasting, which is few and far between oh, now. Most of the time. Yeah, most of the time now. Um, you can find our games at wannabegames.com or on Drive Through RPG or on Itch. We don't make games about Adam Sandler yet. I'll do it one day. And if you're listening to this when it comes out, you can catch me at Origins. See you. I'll be at the IGDN booth. Uh, I have another podcast. It's called RPG R&D. 
you can you can learn about games there uh but instead of like doing anything like didn't we have a patreon at one point i don't remember maybe instead of buying our games donate to your local abortion fund and that works leave not gonna say what you should do to other things but anyway uh, <laughs> uh, tw- uh, if you, if you watch this, uh, tweet at Ted Cruz and, and just tell him, tell him the butter's going to get him. That's what I want. The butter, the butter is going to get him. The butter's going to get him. You can follow me on Twitter at Jessica. I'm at Kitty Crusade. And you know what, Alex? Check, please. No, <laughs> it's take my wife, please. <laughs> <laughs>